Hello and welcome to episode 39 of the Memoirs of a Movie Stand-In Podcast. My name is Greg Anderson and, uh, well, I want to talk a little bit about how movies are made. But I'm taking this in chronological order throughout my many years working as a stand-in, uh, primarily in Utah, uh, on a lot of made-for-TV material. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Promised Land. And this, uh, as, as we're working through the chronology here, this would take us to the fall of 1997. And uh, it's time to talk about episode 207 of the Promised Land television program. So, seventh episode of the second season of the show. So, uh, it's an episode called Take Back the Night. Let me just briefly give you a synopsis of the plot line here. The uh, Green family has decided to stop at uh, some nondescript town where Russell has taken a temporary job uh, painting the interior of a law office. And uh, I guess Claire's teaching at a school. You know, they just fall into their little routine there. Dinah happens to be volunteering at uh, a hospital gift shop. And um, so they find out there's been, I don't know, uh, an attack uh, on the campus at the school next to this hospital. And, uh, you know, just kind of in passing, they find out that there's some nefarious character going around attacking women, and it's a rape awareness story. So it turns out Dinah is on her way uh, home back to the trailer one night uh, when she gets attacked by this this person, and uh, she gets away... Uh, but still goes to the uh, rape crisis center where, you know, they find out it's been a brutal attack, but she wasn't actually raped. And, but she goes through all the recovery steps that you would normally have to go through emotionally and, and whatever uh, if, if you had actually gone through a full-blown assault. So this is what the episode's about. Well, meanwhile, the, uh, the, green, the Greens, uh, Russell and Claire, uh, happen to... Um, talk to a, a, a rape counselor and uh, they find out that uh, you know this is a very serious issue and you know all, all the typical things you would want to uh, cover if you were doing a responsible story to bring awareness to this uh, to this issue um, so anyway um, Dinah goes back to working at this uh, at this hospital gift shop after after a few days and and meantime uh Josh has been working at a car wash and there's a coworker at this car wash just another young man who uh keeps making uh, very inappropriate comments about uh women and especially this one girl who happens to walk by every day and uh so Josh eventually gets fed up with this guy's uh, very sexist remarks and they get in a fight and they both get fired um but that's Josh you know trying to stand up for the uh, respectability of women uh especially when the woman doesn't care for the advances of Josh's coworker at the car wash um, meanwhile, um, Dinah is about to go to lunch with the woman who runs the gift shop and a doctor from the hospital. They all get into his fancy Mercedes to go out to, you know, some fancy restaurant for lunch. And the woman who runs the gift shop 
she gets paged. Just, oh, no, I have to go meet the delivery truck. Oh, why don't you two just go on without me? So now Dinah is alone in this fancy car with a doctor, and uh, she finds out that he is the guy who attacked her. And uh, so she escapes from his vehicle at a stop sign. And this is right next to uh, an, an amusement park that's closed for the season. There's a chase through the amusement park. Um, and they get into kind of the spook house at the amusement park and, uh, you know, it's all a very spooky thing. And eventually Dinah finds a telephone. She calls Russell. He comes by before the police get there and he catches the, uh, the doctor who happens to have been, you know, the suspect in all these, uh, attacks on campus and, uh, um, and, but instead of, you know, beating the living daylights out of this doctor, um, Russell decides to just let the police handle it. And then the episode ends with a take back the night candlelight vigil rally, uh, where, I don't know, maybe a couple hundred people are there to, uh, to, uh, declare their opposition to rape. So, I, as I as I describe the you know synopsis of the plot, I, I guess I make it sound like I'm being a little bit disrespectful towards the whole issue, and this is a very serious issue, and I don't mean to take it lightly. I just think that the episode, as it was written, just sounded too much like I was reading a brochure about all the issues involved with this very serious uh, topic of of uh, rape and, and assault. And the, all the things that the rape counselor says in the episode really sound like they're just lifted word for word out of a brochure about this issue. Uh, I was very impressed, though, that the woman that played the part of the uh, rape counselor, uh, an actress by the name of Lynn Thigpen, did a wonderful job of sort of bringing this thing to life so that it uh, it sounded like a real person was saying this rather than, you know, a brochure was saying this. Um, Lynn Thigpen, by the way, I don't know if the name is familiar to you, but, uh, back in, oh, must've been the late eighties or the early nineties. She was on a program on public television called where in the world is Carmen San Diego. She played, I think the character was the chief, uh, who was in charge of the host of this, what was a game show on PBS uh, about uh, geography and, and stuff like that. So I, I, I liked her, uh, having seen her on Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego. And uh, and she was great to work with. She was just a wonderful uh, person. Unfortunately, just it wasn't very long, just a couple of years. It just seemed like it was a very short time after we worked with her on the Promised Land show. Uh, she She passed away. She was working on a show called The District, which was also on CBS, co-starring with, um, oh, who's that guy? <laughs> he was he was on the show Coach, uh, played the, anyway, he was, um, and he was in the movie Poltergeist, and you know who I'm talking about. He was in The Incredibles. He His voice was Mr. Incredible. You know who I'm talking about? How come I can't remember his name right now? I could edit this, but I'm not going to. I'm going to forge ahead. Anyway, uh, Lynn Thigpen passed away after we worked with her, and that's you know that's that makes me sad because she was a wonderful actress to work with, and nice person, and and as I said, she could take this script that sounded like somebody dictating a brochure and make it 
sound like a real person that put some life into this into this script. Um, I'll, speaking of the cast, the guest cast on this episode, the man who played the doctor, who in the end was the bad guy who was uh, doing all of these terrible things, uh, uh, Jameson Parker is the, the name of the actor, and he happened to be uh, Gerald McRaney's co-star on the show Simon and Simon back in the 80s. So it was fun to say, hey, you know, here we're working with uh, one of Gerald McRaney's old friends, Jameson Parker. But unfortunately, because of the way the script was written, the two of them only had one scene together. And in the scene, they were hostile towards each other. And Jameson Parker's character was a total creepy, awful person anyway. So in the end, it wasn't as fun to work with him as I thought it might be. Of all the times when we might bring in Gerald McRaney's old co-star to be on our show, they had to do this one, and I think that was an unfortunate decision. I don't know, I don't know how that came to be, but it would have been a lot more fun if he'd been just some other character on some other episode. But anyway, um, now as far as the locations we used for this episode, we had um, we had the law office set where. Gerald McCraney's character, Russell Green, was was working to paint this office. And that was just uh, a set they had built uh, in our in our soundstage. Um, then there was the rape awareness uh, counselor's office, which was also a set on our soundstage. And uh, as far as the amusement park, there's, a, there's an amusement park north of Salt Lake City called Lagoon, and that's the one we used. Uh, we were filming in September of 1997. And at the time, uh, Lagoon is really o- only open fully operational from Memorial Day until Labor Day. However, they do open just maybe on weekends, a few weeks before Memorial Day. And they stay open on weekends or maybe Friday and Saturday night kind of thing in the fall uh, to do maybe Halloween themed stuff. So as far as sort of the spook alley we used in our episode, well, that was nice because it was readily available as part of what they were actually doing uh, at Lagoon uh, that time of the year. We were filming uh, the episode, you know, we spent the day, maybe a couple days, eh, maybe just one day. Anyway, we filmed at Lagoon and... Um, they were closed on that day, but open to us, obviously. And when when we were there, they had a bunch of their, uh, what would have been normal employees, kind of keeping an eye on us and making sure that we film crew members didn't kind of wander around and go, you know, cause trouble in their park. I don't know what they were expecting exactly, but it felt a little awkward for the <laughs> these people who... They're regular employees. These are like, you know, teenagers, right? Like very young people uh, acting as like security guards, making us, the film crew, please don't come over here. Please stay over there. You know, I'm like, come on, kid. Give me a break. What do you think I'm going to do? I'm not like your friends thinking, hey, it's it's Lagoon. I'm going to go vandalize the roller coaster. Come on, you know, just give me a break. (laughs) So anyway... 
it was amusing more than annoying it's just to be bossed around by these you know junior security guard types i don't know we were fine we just you know we went and did our work and went home you know big deal um all right so that was lagoon also we did the the, the little campground where where they were staying the green family where we did the exterior scenes of the trailer and what have you those were also done at a little campground that's sort of attached to Lagoon. So it was all, you know, centrally located there. As far as the hospital we were using, uh, wasn't we, we didn't really use a hospital. What we used was a couple locations, practical locations, buildings on the campus of uh, something called Westminster College. There's a Westminster College in Salt Lake City. And so we did sort of our college campus and hospital scenes all there. I should mention another cast member. This is interesting to me that uh, uh, the woman who played the part of the gift shop uh, manager or owner or whatever, you know, the the lady that ran the gift shop, uh, the actress who played the part was a a local Utah-based actress who just happened to be in another episode of Promised Land um, little less than a year earlier, an episode called King of the Road. And that was episode 110, or rather the 10th episode of the first season. And this woman in the King of the Road episode the previous year played the part of a little gift shop owner. So she was a gift shop owner in Chicory Creek, and then a year later she was a gift shop owner in some nondescript town working at a hospital. You know, they never really made it clear who she was, and, you know, they could have very well have been the same character if they wanted to, if they wanted to play around with that. They could have just said same character, but it wasn't. It was just just interesting to me. I mean, talk about being typecast as an actress. You know, once a year I play a gift shop owner, and I have like two scenes on this series. Well, that's not the only local actor or actress that we had that played uh, different characters uh, each season on Promised Land. The most notorious uh, of the repeat players <laughs> on the Promised Land uh, local actor scene was probably uh, a gentleman by the name of Michael Flynn. And Michael Flynn is a you know good actor, of course, uh, but he's based in Utah. And uh, just about every movie of the week, or feature film, TV series, uh, Michael Flynn would be there somewhere. And on a show like Promised Land, uh, they used him. They used him just once per season on some episode, and you know it was a completely different character each time. So. I'll talk more about him as as we uh, get going further. But uh, he had a very significant role in the third season uh, when the Green family was sort of stayed put in Denver for, uh, you know, 15 episodes in a row. Uh, Michael Flynn played the part of the school principal at the school where Claire worked in Denver. But before that, he played other other characters, uh, both good and evil. I guess you would say. All right. Well, so anyway, um, yeah, that was our episode 207 
Take Back the Night, an episode which has not been broadcast on the Gospel Music Channel, even though they're broadcasting uh, the the Promised Land series uh, on a daily basis, or at least weekdays, on the Gospel Music Channel. It's it's interesting that they've decided not to... uh, to play this episode, I, and I, I can understand the the subject matter being uh, a little bit too uh, controversial, or you know, I, I if they're if they're feeling a little bit skittish about putting this on in the middle of the afternoon uh, around the country, uh, I, I guess I understand that, but uh, I don't know. I, I always thought that I worked on this really squeaky clean show so for things to be censored somehow uh, I think oh boy did I was I on a bad show well no I wasn't on a bad show it was just you know heavy subject matter and and okay so the gospel music channel powers that be are not comfortable playing that episode well so be it but the very next episode we did and I'll talk about it on the next episode of the podcast was about steroid abuse (laughs) And that episode is played on the Gospel Music Channel. But, uh, like I said, I'll talk about that next time on the Memoirs of a Movie Stand-In Podcast. So, anyway, hey, if you want to uh, listen to more episodes of the Memoirs of a Movie Stand-In Podcast, just check out the official show notes, and you'll find those at uh, utahstandin.blogspot.com. That's right, utahstandin.blogspot.com. Okay. And my email address is moviestandin at gmail.com. So between those two, you know, you can communicate with me if you'd like, and we'll just have fun with that. So anyway, but uh, and you can listen to another episode of the Memoirs of a Movie Stand-In podcast uh, next week. Uh, I try to release the new episodes on Thursday evenings at 8, 7 central. And uh, you can subscribe in iTunes if you want to, and you can get these podcasts for free, downloaded to your computer every time a new episode comes out. So, okay, I think you're set. And uh, perhaps I'll just move on now and uh, see you next time on the Memoirs of a Movie Stand-In Podcast. <laughs>